Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode is brought to you by Samsung POS, a new payment acceptance solution by Samsung Canada. The easy-to-install app was developed for small business owners and micro-merchants, allowing them to accept contactless payments on the go directly through Samsung Galaxy NFC-enabled devices, all without additional hardware. Big box stores have had to rethink their strategies in a digital world where online shopping has taken a bite out of in-person sales. Disruption to distribution models and demographic shifts in where people live has forced even the biggest retailers to rethink their plans for the future. I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. For the next few weeks, we'll be talking retail, because hey, tis the season. This week, we're joined by IKEA Canada Chief Executive Michael Ward. Despite the digital shakeup, 31 million people still walked through the doors of an IKEA location in Canada last year. That's a pretty remarkable statistic for the Swedish company, given there's about 37 million people living in Canada altogether. But what does IKEA's future look like, given disruption to how we shop and where we live? I caught up with Michael after an IKEA event in downtown Toronto in early November. How has digital disruption affected IKEA? I know that small and medium enterprises sold 900 million bucks of goods on Amazon alone last year. And IKEA, obviously, about 10% of your sales in Canada came from online. I'm wondering how this has affected you. What we realize, you know, more people are living in the cities. People have access to technology and everybody's uh, interacting through their phone. That means, of course, that people are changing and we need to change along with them. So I think that's a realization we've come into over the last couple of years. We last year decided that we're going to do a three-year transformation in IKEA of our business model. We call it change everything, almost. The almost is who we are, the culture, the values. uh, That's who we are and that's our essence. The almost that we won't change is also that we're on the side of the many people to make it, help them make a beautiful home. But all of the things that people are actually demanding around convenience and accessibility and the fact that all that technology allows them to have many more interesting business models to choose from. I don't think people have had ever had so much choice. That's something that we understand and it's something that we're accelerating into now. So, you know, does it affect us? I think it has. We've made that realization and that we're, we're moving quickly into what it requires for us to actually have that accessibility and convenience. We're one year into a three-year transformation and we're moving pretty quickly. So what does that transformation look like? What are we looking at here when we're talking about how you're transforming, how you're moving forward into the future? I know your online sales did grow last year by 8% about. Overall online sales or online retail e-commerce has grown so far this year in Canada about 25% year over year. So clearly this this massive market to tap into. What's next? What are your steps in this transformation plan? In Canada, we're working on a couple of things that I would call prerequisites. Uh, One is uh, the whole distribution network that we need to develop in order to actually service more people who are shopping online, right? So we're working hard on that. That's a combination of new units close to cities. It's also, though, using our existing stores as fulfillment centers as well as part of the network. So already we fulfill same day and next day deliveries and click and collect out of our stores. And we have some stores in the future that will fulfill even more. We're, we're lucky that we have these buildings close to 
the customers that we want to meet in a different way. But of course, it, it's also investments in bigger distribution centers closer to the city. So that's one thing we're we're working on. At the same time, we're driv- we're already driving prices down, and we're able to make lead times much shorter. So if you were in Toronto today and you order the parcel, we can get it to you within two days most of the time, and we're going to continue working on that. So it's really setting up the prerequisites to actually give the kind of convenience people want. It's funny how it always strikes me how so much of this online retail and this increasing demand for same day, next day delivery, it sounds like, oh, yeah, it just magically arrives at your doorstep. But it's all about distribution centers (laughs) and finding that space close to downtown. How critical is is it to deliver quickly in your business? I know Amazon does these deliveries it seems instantly another big competitor that's really growing. Wayfair, 35% revenue growth in the last quarter. Canada, a big market. You know, they also deliver quite quickly. How critical is that for a competitive advantage? I think that it's, uh, it's really extremely important. Also, though, it's funny. In our, in our category, I think from a parcel perspective, it's really, really important. But if you buy a kitchen, some people don't want it for a week or two weeks. So we, we're working on both. Right. So what does it mean to get a parcel to you really quickly within a day? Or what does it mean that we get a kitchen order to you actually when you want it, which might be two weeks from now? When it comes to the shipping strategy, you spoke about click and collect. Tell me a little bit about that, which still gets people in the stores. I'm curious to know about how you are serving these customers with the different needs. You know, you want the kitchen for the reno two weeks from now, or you want that package instantly. Right, right. I think it's an important middle step in the convenience equation, right? So uh, people then say, okay, I want to order online. Maybe I don't want to do the full visit today at at my IKEA store, uh, but I really appreciate that I can go there and pick something up quickly for a really low price, right? So when we talk about what we call the convenience ladder, or all of the offers that we'll have from a service perspective that we're building now. I think that's the that's a really important one. It's a way that people can access the convenience at a really low price, right? So that's you pay five bucks, go pick it up at the go store. Go pick it up. It's ready for you. It can be the same day or next day. And most people take it within that, you know, two hour to 24 hour time period, right? So it's very quick. And you've also have the sort of the locations that say instead of shipping directly to someone's home, you ship to a location in right. downtown Toronto. Yeah, that's super exciting as well. Because if you if you think about some of the store formats that we will most likely have in the future in the city center, you'll be able to, for example, visit a small store that's maybe 50,000 square feet. You can interact with the entire home furnishings range, but uh, maybe you... want to pick it up the next day close to your house. So there'll be a collection point that's probably very close to you where you can order after you've shopped, order on your phone or online or at the store and then say, okay, uh, maybe on my way home from work tomorrow, I'll pop into this place that's on my way home and take it home with me. Why the collection points versus focusing on that delivery to home strategy? Uh, it's, it's both. So for us, it, it's a, it's just another convenience. I, my belief in our belief is that people will want to, and everyone has their own equation about what convenience means, right? So some people will go for the full on, you know, two person delivery into their room of choice. Other people want to pay a little bit less and maybe have it come to my front door. And other people would appreciate saving even more and then picking it up themselves in some place that's close to where they live or work or shop. Right. So we're developing all three. 
Why do you think IKEA had some challenges in the online era for a while? I know that delivery and shipping costs were markedly higher than some of your competitors for a while. What prompted the decision to make a change or why is IKEA playing catch up a bit? Well, I think that, um, you know, I don't think we're paying catch up anymore, to be clear. And I think our shipping costs aren't higher than the competitors. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, what they or us might charge for it is Somebody a Somebody maybe is subsidizing uh, yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. Any, anyway, so but everyone has their, their way of, of looking at it, right? Yes. Um, I think it, you know, we came to a point where we realized that the future actually looked, looked like I was describing before, that more and more people are going to be living in the city centers. And that comes with some realities. Less people own cars. More people want to live, work and shop in a small area in the city center. More people have uh, challenged budgets because of high rent in the city center center, small spaces. So what we recognize is actually to stay with our customers based on where they're headed, it was the time to change now. So I think it was less uh, sort of a response or being behind. It was more understanding that this was the right moment to move with people as they're changing in this way. Right. And I have to admit, I'm not sure if I should admit this on the podcast, literally rented a car this weekend to drive up to Ikea (laughs) outside of the city center. Because, you know, I am that demographic that doesn't have a car, lives in the city center. You still need that furniture yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what and, and can I, sorry, just yeah. before you ask your next question, one thing that I think that when, when I'm talking about, you know, sort of what's coming up, the implication is that our existing stores are part of the past. They absolutely are not. So even a future where 20 or 30 percent of our sales are online and we're heading there in that direction pretty quickly, it's still 70 percent of our sales that are going to be taking place in our existing stores. So we're also developing the visit, what it will look like and what it will feel like. It'll be more personalized. There'll be more services that we will be responding to what people are asking for. And I'm convinced people don't think in channels. They don't shop in channels. They shop you know, they're looking for something. And once you might want to go to the store because you want to have the full experience or another time you might just want to do click and collect. And another time you say, you know what, I'm just going to order at home and have it delivered to me. And so we're making all of that available. And in that picture, our existing stores are actually an advantage to us because not only are they a place where people really want to come and have an experience that's unique, we can also fulfill out of them in the future. Why do you think the stores have that cachet still? I know that it has been a a challenging time for many retailers yeah. in the big box suburbia environment. Mm-hmm. That said, IKEA, as you reported, um, had an increase in in-store visits this year. Yeah. 1.7 orders of Swedish meatballs this 1. year. 1.7 million, yeah. So a lot of people are coming to the store, eating yeah. those meatballs, yeah. wandering through, having that 500 days of summer experience. Right. Um, why do you think IKEA still can get people through the door? I think the more people go online and have transactional relationships, they also want to have better experiences. It's both. So if I'm going to take the time to actually go to a retailer, I want something that adds value to, you know, what I'm after. So that's why for us, you know, more personalization, more things going on, new partnerships like our design partnership with Virgil Abloh that maybe you've heard about, our partnership with Sonos, where we make an, an amazing technology available to people with our own design. All of those things Uh, give reasons to people like, you know what, if I'm going to take the time and sometimes I want to take the time uh, to go out and actually shop, that the places I go have to add something of value to me that maybe in the past wasn't so strong. And when you pair that with the convenience of the other things we were talking about with the services and delivery and so on, then you have a total picture, I think, that 
uh, meets the needs of the future. Speaking of the future, you announced that you are actively searching for a retail location, City Center Toronto. IKEA opened City Center stores in Paris and New York earlier this year. I know we've spoken about how more people are living that urban lifestyle. What does that look like? What does that new store look like? And how do you do it in a way that doesn't infringe on that big IKEA experience? Yeah, yeah. I'll start I'll start the answer where I left off the the other one. It, it all works together in our in our view. So it isn't about people maybe going one place or the other place. It's how much do they interact with the totality of the offer. So in the city center, we can imagine units that are a little bit larger than maybe the plan and order point that was open in Manhattan, which is like 5,000 square feet. We could imagine something up to 50,000 square feet uh, where people can see the entire home furnishings offer, but they don't have the warehouse is not attached. So we need to help them with how to get the goods home. It'll be uh, linked with lots of services that help them in, in based on their needs. So that's one uh, kind of idea that we right. can imagine. So it's the showroom, it's but the you showroom can't take it, it home yeah, that day. Or, yeah, exactly. Or you can get it home that day, but you know, maybe through uh, going to a collection point or a quick delivery, right? The Another way is sort of a smaller footprint, like a plan and order point, where maybe we specialize in kitchens or uh, design services, maybe in an area that has a lot of condos, small space living, where people have particular needs. So we put something in there so they can interact with us in that more focused sort of uh, need that they have for what's going on in their home. And those things all work together, huh? So when you think about the, the multi-channel distribution network we're developing, how our stores can help, you know, having those uh, different kind of footprints in the store, it gives people more choice. Gives people more choice and lets those customers who are living that condo life don't have cars to uh, come into the store, experience it. So IKEA sales grew 6% this year. I was checking out StatsCan's retail or furniture sales figures, and it seems that the growth year to date so far is a little bit higher than that in the industry as a whole. I'm wondering how you view IKEA's success in Canada right now. Um, I don't know what your figures are. Actually, we know we're gaining market share. So in, in last year, we gained market share and we're continuing to gain market share. You talked about, you know, the 8.2% online share. You know, since we dropped our, our delivery prices in June, so it's something we did recently. So parcel prices start at $7.99, truck, what we call truck delivery, which is the big deliveries of furniture. We've also cut delivery prices by 30%. Our online sales have more than quadrupled. Right. Pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, when you touch kind of get in touch with what means uh, what value means for people, the growth is quite quick right now. So we're experiencing that. What do you make of the new online only furniture competitors? I mean, obviously, Ikea is continuing to bet big on the store experience. I mean, I had some of the veggie meatballs when I was there last weekend or veggie meatballs. That doesn't make sense. The veggie Veggie balls. balls. Yeah, they were delicious. I I cannot lie. What do you make of new competitors like Article, uh, Vancouver-based companies that are taking out that in-store experience altogether? They're also growing pretty quickly. Just wondering what your take is on that segment of the market. Oh, I think it's fascinating. I think it's really exciting that there are so many interesting business models, emerging ones for customers to choose from. Uh, We learn a lot uh, when we're talking and listening to what customers are asking for. But I think, you know, the pure players, they will also have the same challenge as we do in in the fact that the real offer in the future involves both. You know, so you you see pure player competitors also experimenting with physical locations. You know, so, I mean, I, I don't think the end, the win is one or the other. I think it's how it works both together. 
You mentioned that IKEA has that partnership with Sonos. It seems that IKEA is also trying to pursue a bit of a smart home strategy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that I'm really excited about it. I mean, these this new line we call Symphonisk, where... Sonos works together with us. So we have this beautiful sound quality that can be driven from the Sonos app. But actually, our design means that that speaker can also serve as a shelf. It can fit beautifully into our bookcases. So it actually, from that perspective, it's just not a speaker. And we have one. I don't know if you've seen it. It's actually integrated into a lamp. Why pursue this smart home strategy? How big of a market do you think this is? Oh, I think that it's, uh, I think in the future, it'll be a massive market. Right. You know, and we at this moment in time, you know, with our LED bulbs where you can come in and, and, and have them go on and off, voice activated, change color, change, uh, you know, dim and, and get brighter and, and, and less bright so that you can have that control of the atmosphere. And now the sound comes in. It, those are our first steps. We're learning a lot, but I think that that will continue. Right? People are super interested in it. I think the technology is developing quickly yeah? and I think it's a, a great opportunity for us going forward. Yeah. When you were speaking about IKEA's future as well, you spoke a bit about sustainability. I know your other title is the chief sustainability officer. How do retailers pursue sustainability in an era where we're getting more and more things delivered, which is not super environmentally mm-hmm. friendly? Yeah. As you know, you see some trucks with one box in the back rattling around to get that delivery to mm-hmm. a place the next day. How do you pursue the vision of retail expansion and the sustainability? Yeah, I mean, our way is. Uh, this circular story. So by 2030, our operation, our business model will be circular. So what does that mean? This is a new buzzword for me. And I feel like I've heard a lot of buzzwords. (laughs) Let's make it sort of understandable. For us, it's kind of got a few dimensions. One is when we design the products, the end of life should be designed into the product, right? So instead of the, you know, you're done with something and you throw it away, we're designing in that it's easier to be repurposed or recycled or reused or repaired. Huh? So that maybe if you don't want it, you can pass it along to somebody else or the how to extend the life of it is built in in the design. Also, the materials we use. So all the materials will be recyclable or recycled or coming from our supply chain or our waste streams and everything. So we're doing a lot of work on how to get waste products back into our into the building of new products or creation of new products. We're going to work much, much harder also on these services that help people like the sellback program I talked about earlier, where people can sell their furniture back to us. And then we'll uh, sell it along to somebody else so that we and all of these things come together. If you talk about what you asked about when when we say, let's say, what's going, what about all the transports? We've said that by 2025, all of our transports will be carbon free. So either electric vehicles or other kinds of uh, technology that that might be emerging. That means all of our deliveries are actually not putting carbon into the atmosphere. So that's a commitment we've made and we're moving forward that when we talk to new service partners, potential service partners now in delivery, we're talking a lot about what is your capability around electric vehicles where are we with that and we're finding people who have an interest in that so it's developing already developing already sounds a bit expensive why pursue this strategy I think because the because as we move in this direction and as we re, and we all realize and our commitment is that we're going to do our part to help all of us live within the limits of one planet, we can't keep uh, growing and also putting uh, more and more carbon into the atmosphere. So we all of us together and we've made the commitment that if we're going to be doing transports, more transports in the future, they can't add to this carbon development. They can't. 
For IKEA, in a bigger picture, we talk a lot about the housing boom in Toronto and Vancouver in particularly. We talk about the craziness of the housing market in Canada's urban centres. The story isn't necessarily the same across the country. It's a tale of many provinces. But how important is that growth in housing for IKEA? You know, are, are you guys riding off the high of this boom as well or... I'm wondering what you think about that. I think when, of course, when there's housing booms, it helps us. It helps everyone, right? But I think when you go down a couple of layers, you know, real good sources of growth in, in, in our category are when people move or when people renovate or when someone leaves the home to go off to university and someone comes into a different phase of their life or when someone has a child. So the driver of the business has much more to do with the changes and the challenges people are having as they go through their life, much more than whether we're having more housing units. You know, so that helps. But the real interesting part is when you really listen to people and you're able to respond to the challenges that they have in their everyday life and how can we help them. We could end this on the circular nature of your story with IKEA. You yeah. started in 86. Yeah. What were you doing? I was uh, in working in the warehouse uh, in the old Mississauga store and I was uh, a part of the logistics department. And so since you've obviously traveled with around the world with the company, you have an executive role, you recently moved back. What um, what does it mean to you to pursue the new downtown strategy? It'll be one of the first cities in the world to do that. What does it mean to you to start that in that kind of circular, you're oh, back where you came from? I, I feel extremely privileged, right? So I, I left Canada in 2001. I've been in you know, various countries, the Netherlands, the U.S. I've worked with uh, lots of other countries around the IKEA world and everything I've learned, you know, being out there, it's such a pleasure for me to, com to come back here uh, and be part of kind of leading with the, the whole team here. I think it's a, an incredible privilege to uh, come home to a, and but also to be able to work on this exciting new phase for us. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That was Michael Ward, CEO of IKEA Canada. Thank you all for listening to Down to Business. We'd love to get to know you better. You can help by filling out a 30-second online survey at survey.libsyn.com slash downtobusiness. Again, that's survey.libsyn.com slash downtobusiness. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.